In winter of 2020, the Never Too Late team began to plan an event to mark Youth and Care Day, a day set to celebrate, advocate, and connect young people in and from child welfare system, which falls on May 14th, 5:14. it is often called. Calls for Coffee House art exhibit event led us to checking out venues and beginning to think about hosts and acts. At the same time, we had begun to explore the medium of podcasting as a way to make educational clips for the very select group of people who were attending our training series, Training for Humans, Thinking of Becoming Permanency for a Young Person Who Had Aged Out of Care. These two worlds collided in March and April of 2020, when we had to end our in-person podcast sessions for our trainings and our dreams and event space were squashed. But riding on the high of how much we had enjoyed our first taste of podcasting and wanting to not let go of having some kind of way to acknowledge 514, we decided that this was our chance to explore using podcasting in a different way, to focus on giving people the chance to talk about how this life-changing event, the pandemic, was impacting them. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all first voice experts of the child welfare system. We were focused on the telling, on letting people get a chance to talk about what this time was like for them, the triumphs and tribulations, the challenges and celebrations. In the past, we had engaged outside help to record and produce our podcast, but this time we decided to do it all in-house to see if we now could do it ourselves. Hashtag 14 stories was that podcast released on May 14th, 2020. It has been heard over 1000 times throughout the world. And at NTL, podcasting became something that we now feel very comfortable engaging in, recording, editing, producing a number of those educational pieces over the span of the year 2020. In 2021, through the generosity of Frame and their Great Big Stories grant, we were given an opportunity that doesn't often happen to look back at the making of Hashtag 14 Stories to reflect on how participating in that podcast felt, the impacts on participants even today, and what they have learned or lessons they have for others doing this work. And then we got to do more. We got to ask people, youth with lived experience of child welfare who had not participated in the original podcast, how it felt the first time they heard these stories, what resonated for them, and why why they decided to be part of this new 14 Stories production. Seven past participants, seven new participants, 14 more stories. Definitely a few things that were mentioned that really touched my heart personally and everything that was that was great. Just a lot of similar feelings of feeling isolated. And I know that someone mentioned that it's definitely a huge like reminder. Well, it could be a reminder for the support systems that you do have and the people who are there for you, but it can also be a reminder of the lack of support that you see your peers have and you don't and it becomes really heightened during this pandemic and that's how I felt the feelings of isolation triggered emotions and feeling of being alone like that you're independent responsible for yourself I think just kind of expanding on feeling that you have to be very independent I know someone mentioned 
that being very you know independent is a huge skill set that you're basically forced to learn as a former youth in care and I, I was definitely like yep totally get that part I just advocacy at least that I feel like I have done over the years I would say it's a little bit more like behind the scenes or at least like that's how I kind of feel and doing something like a podcast definitely is very new out of my comfort zone and I think I particularly agreed with because during this time, I think I have had a lot of time to reflect on community, the aspect of that. And it really feels like, you know, being a former youth in care and this whole group of advocates, I find a sense of community in there. Uh, Chinese University and it was shown to me after I had a FaceTime with my older brother and he got me to listen to it to try and understand, try and relate because he knew that I was on this journey of trying to try and become more self-aware and part of that for me is trying to relate to other people and trying to understand other people and the things around me and appreciating things more after listening to the podcast. I said that's basically what it gave to me. It just gave me a better understanding and it was really easy to relate to. So I, my brother knew that's what I needed. So he showed it to me. There was one where someone was talking about just living on their own and dealing with challenges on their own and trying to reach out to family and trying to get support from them and the growth that they got as a person and improving self-awareness. That was one that was really important for me. Is trying to become more self-aware and understand myself better, what I want for my life. And it was really interesting hearing that there's plenty of other people who are doing the same thing. I think just talking about the, the side of the, the mental health, when I was listening to the podcast, I noticed it was later on when people started really talking about it. And when I was listening to that part, when people were talking about uh, just little things that they do to help cope with the depression things. I think that's a huge thing to, to talk about, just solutions to try and battle that during time, especially during COVID when you are isolated and you may not have people to talk to, thinking of solutions, small solutions, like, like taking up hobbies that you might be able to do in your house and stuff like that. I think people talking about what you can do for, for stuff like that would be really important. And I think when I heard that, that was one that, was that I appreciated a lot. I've never done anything like this before. Having this opportunity to share my experience along with hearing other people's experiences, I've never really been in this type of group before and I was really interested in trying it out and seeing how it'd be uh, this time around, getting to hear new stories and getting to share my own. Honestly, I felt a lot of emotions. I felt sadness. I felt there was times where I could relate. And there's times where I just honestly felt very sorry for what a lot of the former youth and care are going through during this difficult time. And some just not having the right supports. I know there was someone talking about like not being able to see their therapist and like using the, the outlets that they previously were able to. 
yeah, that definitely made me sad and it got me in my feelings. There was, I think one lady was talking about reconnecting with her roots, her Tamil root. I definitely connected with that just because obviously over the pandemic, I moved. I moved to Calgary where my maternal side of the family, most of them live. Had it not been for COVID, this is a move that I probably would have never done. It's given me the ability to, to connect with people that I haven't seen in years, family members that I haven't seen in years, eating traditional foods and like getting back into that and, you know, speaking my language more. And now I'm like more fluent in both of my mother tongues. And that's something that I want to pass on to my children one day. So being able to get in touch with that and understanding my cultural background and why things are done certain ways and sparkling up on my vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, that's been nice. I didn't necessarily resonate with them personally, but I did like the stories, like the one about um, the lady with the hairless cat. I enjoyed that story. That was a nice story. So one day I was like outside feeling a little bit down. And then my one neighbor came out and I did not know she had this. She had a hairless cat and his name is Morpheus. I think that's from the matrix. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. So she came to me and was like, hey, why are you feeling so sad? And I was like, well, because, you know, um, this quarantine is really getting to me and it's been a hard few days. And she's like, do you want to come in and see Morpheus and the kitten? Because she recently got a kitten named Snow that she rescued. And so I went inside with my adopted mom and we saw Morpheus and he was really stinky and dirty. <laughs> and so we needed a bath, but he was really cute. Cause I have a really big obsession with hairless cats. So I was like rubbing his little wrinkles and then I played with the kitten and it was beyond the best thing that's happened to me. I do want to say that there's probably two that really stands out to me at this current moment. One for me is when youth was just talking about how important it is to have like access to kind of cultural foods, food insecurity in general. That was a really big thing for me. I personally was a person who um, really wanted to be able to have um, access to Jamaican foods because I grew up on that. And whenever I smell the aromas within my house, it made me feel warm and included and, you know, it validated my identity. I decided to get involved within this podcast because it was another way for me to amplify the voices of other youth. It was just also another way to amplify youth voices as a whole. You know, that's just my motto, my aura right now is making sure that whenever I speak, I speak on behalf of other youth and every opportunity that allows me to like really enhance their voices I want to make sure that they're heard and you guys have been doing a great job of that of listening and of basically making sure that they're not filtered in any way or censored and I think that's vital because as hard as it is to hear our stories it's important and it's so necessary to see change 
And I, I love the work. I love your organization as a whole. And I love what you do for those who are transitioning out of care, instilling this idea of permanency, which is so important. to do this because not many kids in the system get the chance to speak out about their experiences being a psychologist like this is going out there and even if adding my name to it which like I don't have a problem with it right now if somebody was to search me up and to see how like vulnerable I get either it could be a good thing or a bad thing the problem I've had with COVID is living at home and I remember somebody in the podcast was talking about they had, they had a hard time adapting to their lifestyle with everybody else's being stuck in a home all day. It's very hard for me because I live with an older guy, my grandfather. He loves to listen to his channels. I have my mom that's listening to her TV and then I'm in my room. And it's a lot of noise, it's a lot of distractions and being somebody with ADHD, it's very hard to concentrate. Podcast when I was listening to it, and I really liked a lot of them. The first girl, she reunited with her sister and how it affected her so much, not seeing her brother. That happened before COVID, not being able to see her brother during COVID. It's so sad because she said that, I'm not gonna be able to quote it because I didn't write it down, but she said it's not home. Because of COVID, you don't feel that close to somebody anymore because you're not able to see them no more. So you're losing that kind of like that connection with them. And it kind of made me think of like my sister and I, my connection with her has been so off. Like now the communicating is like over the phone, over FaceTime or something. And our schedules don't meet. And it's really hard because we used to be able to before, it's, oh, you have homework? I have homework too. Why don't you come over to my house? It's just like a way to really connect. And we don't get that chance right now. I feel like when I was listening to them, I related to a lot of them. <laughs> There was one that was talking about how kids in care are so resilient and how, you know, because we're so resilient and we just get through anything really that's thrown at us, that it's so easy for us to just do whatever and that we don't need help in. And that just reminded me of like going through this pandemic and thinking like, you know, I have to take all this on by myself. I was talking to my boyfriend and I told him, you know, I went through like a little bit of a funk at the beginning. He was like, you know what? You never told me that. Like, why, why didn't you share that with me? And I was like, you know what? I, it wasn't something that I was trying to hide from you. It's just that I've always done everything on my own and conquered everything on my own. It wasn't something that I sought out to ask for help for. That's one of the, the biggest ones that I thought of. I think one of the other big ones was one that was talking about the struggles with boredom and how we're obviously isolated. We have nothing else going on like outside that we can go and do. How creative that we had to get during this pandemic to really get in tune with ourselves and then also figure out creative ways to like connect with people, make ourselves happy. 
I was thinking of that, like, because in the beginning of the pandemic, I was fine and I was okay. And then I started to get into this funk and I was like, you know what? Like, I keep doing the same thing over and over again. And then there's not much stimulation going on around me because we're just stuck. And so when this person was talking about all the creative things that they started to do in the pandemic, I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't even think of some of the things that they were talking of. And I thought I was getting creative in the pandemic and I was just doing basic stuff. They're talking about doing some really cool, like online virtual group hangouts where you like do cards, like against humanity and you actually play with each other, like online and you can do like, I think they said you could do like a video one with each other. And I was like, okay, that's such a cool, like little interactive thing other because, you know, we're doing like zoom calls and stuff and, you know, we're texting and stuff, but like actually being interactive with someone and like doing like party type games or like hangout type situations. Like that was a really cool thing. So um, I really liked that one because it gave me just more ideas about things that I can do just to get out of that boredom space. I think because everyone's been struggling so hard, myself included, with this pandemic and it being so isolating. And then I thought even more so with kids in and from the foster care system, a lot of them just don't have regular supports like how regular kids grow up. So I thought it would be such a cool opportunity to actually be another voice and tell like my story because when I heard some of the other ones I was like this is so cool to hear some of these people's stories and it makes you feel not as alone um and you know it's kind of hard sharing like personal stuff whether no matter what it be at least for myself but then I thought you know if I can share something and even if like one small thing is beneficial to someone else like this is going to be so cool to share. It's such a vulnerable place to like be in and be able to share. And I know that this is my first time doing it, like other than just the friends and stuff. <laughs> On Youth and Care Day during the COVID pandemic, I'm thinking about the many, many young people who are currently experiencing loneliness and isolation, who are being cared for by staff itching to be at home and who are reminded during these challenging times just how cruel and lonely the world can sometimes feel. During these challenging times, everyone is struggling, with or without a family. But today, on Youth in Care Day, I'm thinking about the young people who have aged out of care without a family, about the young people who have forged new and chosen families for themselves, and about the young people who are bravely still searching or hoping for a family in the face of social workers and a system that tells them that they can, will, and should make it out alone. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's that young people from care deserve better, deserve more than monetary handouts and phone tree calls from social services. We are reminded now more than ever that youth from care need supports that go beyond institutional care. Participating in a podcast with a project that honors that complexity in and from the start allows young people like myself to partake in helping shift the cultural narrative of what permanency and aging out actually means for us, while also helping me personally acknowledge, understand, and claim my own agency and life story that continues to be shaped as I move through and grow in the world.
The nicest thing someone's done for me during this pandemic has been actually my boss for my work study uh, with the University of Toronto. She, uh, just as everything was going downhill, she gave us our last paycheck and actually included extra hours into our paycheck, realizing that this was going to be a tough time and didn't um, put any restraints on on our paycheck. So that was actually really, really nice of her. And she's made herself completely accessible um, in terms of filling out the government CERB applications or employment insurance applications. So that's been really nice that she's made herself approachable and, and accessible to us. biggest part for me was I was youth led that I wasn't kind of being approached by let's say the organization as a whole entity I was being approached by a friend of mine that I knew who was also a youth from care which made me feel a lot more comfortable to be vulnerable and, and participate in this project I think the fact that it was at the beginning of the pandemic or near beginning of the pandemic there were so many heightened emotions and nerves that were going on that to have that opportunity to kind of, that someone just asked me about how I was feeling, how I was doing, what I've learned during the pandemic. It was nice to kind of just have that outlet and have someone listen to me. Just that one person who was recording with me, let alone all our podcast listeners in the end too, which felt amazing. This was actually from a friend of mine who has no lived experience in care, but listened to this podcast. And it was interesting, the kind of, perspectives and ideas or stereotypes or stigmas that he had thought about youth from care but the podcast the original one had quickly cleared up for him something like he's like oh I knew youth from care aged out but I kind of just saw it as like a graduation kind of thing or like a rite of passage kind of thing and that there weren't really much upheavals after aging out and, and the whole aspect of family privilege and what family support can do for an individual and, and what struggles people who don't have family support go through. And we think of that in very big respects of like financial support or very grand gestures of support, but it can be something so nuanced as having dinner made for that day or someone to help with laundry, like something so seemingly small that can go a long way that he had realized he had taken for granted. I would want our listeners to know that this podcast is a great first step in kind of acknowledging those biases, stigmas, stereotypes. I'm hoping that it inspires you to continue doing that work to learn a little bit more about youth from care and, and the journeys that we go through pre-COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID. I was so happy that it had that kind of impact because I had to be real honest because I was like, I didn't listen to it. I was like, I recorded it, didn't listen to it. He listened to it. And he was like, wow, like I learned so much. And I was like, really? Maybe I should go listen to it. And it was because of him that I listened to it, not even because I partook in it. Um, I have very little reason to go back over things that I've already participated in usually because I just don't even like hearing myself. Trying to find that time and trying to kind of equip and adjust your mindset to the new situation of working from home and being a little bit isolated and feeling a little bit lonely and, you know, not being able to leave the house when you want to and just just kind of finding things to entertain yourself as well because, you know, you, you don't have that room to socially... Um, interact. I think ultimately everything takes an effect on on one's mental health. So 
Um, that's, that's kind of been my process of adaptation so far. The one thing that made me want to participate in the podcast initially was, you know, it really provided a sense of community in a time that, you know, in a, in a time where people were starting to become shut in and become really anxious. I know I started working from home last year, March, March 2020. So, you know, I, in my first uh, two weeks of working from home, I, I felt really anxious and, and, and wanted to, wanted sort of a platform to voice that that the, my feelings about anxiety and sort of where I found my community and how I coped with those challenges. So I think the podcast really, really provided that sort of virtual space for that. And hearing other young people, specifically youth in care, speak about their experience kind of was comforting for me and and really provided some sort of validation and information to you know for what I was going through as well. I think the the ambiance and the the atmosphere that I guess the team at Never Too Late so far has created has been wonderful. I mean, you know, interview styles like this work for me. I would rather have kind of a conversation about different elements of my story or someone else's story rather than recording something or it just makes for a conversational tone. I prefer that. You know, I think one of the things that I love about it is the fact that it kind of create that community atmosphere. It, it makes it easier to share elements of your life without it sort of feeling like an interrogation as opposed to just a conversation. So at Never Too Late, like we've We've done that. I think I've benefited from that. I think in other scenarios where I've done other podcasts, I either knew about the person, like I had some background, or I knew the person personally. I think comfortability is really, really important. I think that you have to be comfortable or get comfortable with the person that you're speaking to. And, you know, the reasons why people sometimes feel kind of awkward about sharing their story or about talking about something that really impacts them is because they're not comfortable saying it, you know, and I think trust is a huge thing. I think even as a tutor, people are different. Students are different. You know, trust, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to work on. It's hard to build. So building that trust and, you know, especially with the person that you're interviewing with or speaking to is really, really important. And that sort of helps to soften the emotion and soften the kind of the rigidness of the conversation, you know, especially for elements of the story that might be very, very tumultuous, <laughs> especially even when you're talking about trauma. I initially listened to the podcast actually with part of the NTL team at the time. You actually, Vivian, had edited that version of Put the Finishing Touches on it. So we got to listen to it together. I think I, I felt a kind of a, a wave of different emotions, you know, just, just kind of listening to the stories of young people who I knew, but I, I got to sort of hear a different perspective and different sides of their, their experiences. I mean, very, very early on in the pandemic, but also just kind of peeking into their lives a little bit. And it's amazing how you can sort of have, you know, have friends that you talk to on a daily basis, but there's still that part of themselves that they don't necessarily reveal outwardly. So being able to kind of listen to that different style of, you know, their perspective and their experience really sort of had me reflecting a lot. And like, I'm a really, really reflective person. So, you know, I, I think I really benefited from that storytelling aspect. And the podcast was a really, really good sort of launching off platform for, for that. I don't really regret ever sharing my story or participating in, in the first podcast. You know, it's not the first podcast that I've participated in with young people. I have done other podcasts and you know, spoken about um, you know, my, my story and, and enjoyed this experience with other young people as well. So there's no regrets. I don't look at myself as a regretful person. I don't have any regrets. But for me, I, I do enjoy, you know, sharing my story through poetry. So I feel like for someone like me, who's very, very creative, I would have loved to, to kind of be featured in a way that I can sort of express myself poetically, because there's, there's just a different mood and vibe and tone to it. And I feel like I'm a fairly good communicator, but I feel like when, I, when I'm expressing myself poetically, 
I can kind of tell my story in ways that other people can't or don't, in ways that kind of make people think. So whenever I speak and I tell my story, I love to I love to make people think. I don't really do it, you know, for emotional reasons or whatever. I just I want to make people think about what I'm thinking about when I when I say it. So that's my only thing. But you know, I, I definitely enjoyed being a participant and being a part of that sort of that collaboration. Always welcome the opportunity to tell my story and to listen to the stories of others. I definitely recommend sort of podcasting and this method of communication to young people and to other groups who are willing to share their story and discuss it with the world because I think it's a really great way to express your feelings about what you're going through and and get over all that anxiety and all that worry and stuff. It's like therapy. It's like talking to a therapist. What would you say to your therapist? So if you treat the mic or if you treat like the recording or this interview like like therapy, what would you say? I kind of treated that like my therapy and, and I think it's kind of worked. trigger is that it's a reminder when I was in foster care and about being separated from my siblings so I was often living in a state of worry wondering are they okay and I never knew when I'd see them again. COVID-19 is a real reminder and trigger to that time and that anxiety. I found that society often forgets about kids and youth and child welfare system. There's a very huge population who are or were in the system. I found that lots of assumptions were made and people often forgot about adopted kids and kids in care and our experiences. Podcasts like this helps to make voices heard and raise awareness, and it also helps to expand thinking around societal norm. Children and Youth in Care Day is part of a legacy of advocacy by young people in and from Ontario's child welfare system. It is rooted in witnessing the stories of lived experts and striving to create opportunities for better outcomes. Podcasting as a medium for storytelling, I think, is really accessible for our population. There are many reasons young people might not want to be identified or might want to sort of manage the risk of being identified by not sharing their name or, you know, what they look like. Every time a young person shares their experience, they do have to do some of that risk assessment. Whether it's personal one-on-one or some kind of platform where it'll be shared on social media, you have to think, you know, will future employers hear this and choose not to hire me? Will someone hear this who I don't want to hear it? Will it change any of my relationships? We sort of have to do this risk assessment every time we decide to share. And so I think it's really great that we have this as an option and we're utilizing this platform because it's still very powerful to hear people tell their stories in their own words. What I think is really important is creating different levels of safety so that people can participate in different ways based on their comfort level. 
for me, I'm very close with my story. I don't like to share it freely. I'm very particular about the context in which it's used. And I also can't be very public about it because of my situation. So for me, if the only reason my story is being asked for is to be used in a public way, it's an automatic no, which means I don't get to participate. With podcasting and with NTL, we have those different levels of safety. One thing I think I've sort of seen or experienced as a young person who has a lived experience in child welfare is the commodification of our stories. Often we are engaged to tell our stories in ways that, you know, support the education of the adults around us and the decision makers that come into our lives or perhaps for a fundraising campaign. And so there's this very particular goal-oriented way that we've been asked to engage in our stories and we rarely get the opportunity to sort of storytell just for the sake of storytelling, just for the sake of sharing our stories with each other so that we're not alone. And I think that's what was really special about the 514 podcast. And I think that's what really made it special for me to participate in. I remember folding my hands at six and praying to be somewhere better. I didn't know where better was, but I knew it meant safe. I knew it meant loving. And for years, I had hoped that I would know what a home meant. I chose to participate in the NTL podcast because I just wanted to be involved with a community who had shared similar experiences. And I hadn't previously, I haven't really known a ton of people in the child welfare system. And I love getting to um, hear other people's stories that have endured, um, you know, similar walks of life as me. And so that's what really connected me with NTL because it is youth led. You know, when you're when you're talking um, to NTL, you you may be talking to, yeah, a few, you know, adults and whatnot, uh, quote unquote adults, let's say. But you're talking to people that are, you know, in their twenties, in their thirties, maybe. And but like you just feel connected to them because they have the same experience as you. I do not have any regrets in participating in the podcast. The podcast is this incredible thing that is bigger than any of us and i think it it will go on to enlighten people it will go on to make people more aware i can never regret being a part of the podcast because it it was such an important thing for me i think it is so interesting because when i think about the podcast i think about where i was last year and where i am now there's a little bit of this evolution where you'll hear me talk about wanting stability in a family and and for me to be okay and then you know you fast forward a year later and that beginning stage is emerging of that stability that I think I wanted and I didn't really know what stability was that I wanted but I've come to realize that I think it's a family and I think being a part of a unit 
I think it's being comfortable with letting people see who you really are. I'm on that journey right now, and so I don't think I could ever regret sharing what I said in the podcast because I think it'll be really unique in 10 years or 15 years ahead from now to listen to the podcast and say, oh, this was where I began with NTL and this second installment of the 514 podcast is in the midst of what I was going through. There's always this little evolution. It's an amazing thing and I'm no, I'm not regretful of any of it. good that we have this podcast out here because it means that people are feeling heard right it's good to reach out there and be able to talk about this and think of things retrospectively especially because we're looking at it from last year to this year and see how we've changed some things may be more negative some things may be more positive but we can see how we've grown and we can see the things that have changed and it's it's nice to see that it's nice to see that things aren't the same sometimes things always feel like they're the same they don't change things are always changing but for better or for worse but you're always growing you're always going to grow from those experiences in one way or another. I honestly believe that. Thank you for listening to our podcast on reflections of hashtag 14 stories. 14 Stories has become so much more to us than we could have ever imagined. Every story told, those who you heard last year, those who you will hear this year, and those we are committed to bringing on in the future. This allows us to educate, inspire, advocate, connect, and this will most importantly allow young people from the child welfare system to be heard. Thank you for listening. You can listen to the original 14 Stories podcast wherever you find your podcasts.